Hey friends, welcome to RUF. Uh, if I've not had the pleasure of meeting you, my name is Sammy. I'm the campus minister here. And we've been going through the book of Ephesians uh, this fall semester. And tonight we're in Ephesians 3, verses 14 to 21. And so what I want to do is just read it for us. And then we're going to spend some time thinking about this beautiful prayer that Paul prays uh, for these Ephesian Christians. Uh, that certainly applies to us. So let me read it first, then I'll pray. Then we'll jump in. Ephesians 3, starting verse 14. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, May have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Let me pray for us. I want to dive into this passage tonight. Let's pray first. Our Father, we thank you for your love made clear to us, um, made loud for us, made um, beautiful to us in your Son, Jesus. In his life, in his death, in his resurrection, in his ascension, we are loved. And Lord, I pray tonight that you, by your spirit, would convince us of that. That, Lord Jesus, you said you came into this world to seek and save the lost. You love sinners like us. And you love and delight in bringing us home into the family of God. You love and delight in loving us in your words and the Gospel of John to the very end. Lord, to the very end of our lives, to the very end of eternity, there is no end to your love. Lord, I pray that you would make tonight palpably um, real to us. That you would bring your gospel, the good news of your love for sinners, to bear upon our hearts and lives. And that you would change us, that you would convert us that you would continue your patient work of making us more like like yourself. We pray these things, Lord Jesus, in your name. Amen. All right, so my family and I have, uh, over the last, gosh, I guess 10 years now, done these road trips. And the first one we ever did was to see my sister, who was living in Los Angeles, California, in the time, at the time. And we got in our little minivan, took our family of six, drove all the way out there, made a lot of stops along the way, saw a lot of cool things. And one of the things we saw on the way back, we took the northern route there, we took the southern route back. And on the way back, we were rushed for time. We were literally like popping in, staying a night, getting on the road the next day, popping in, staying a night, getting on the road the next day. So I decided like it's better, we're we're, going to pass the Grand Canyon, better just to pop in for a second. So literally, the two things I remember about seeing the Grand Canyon, number one was there were these aggressive uh, tables of evangelistic people like on the way in and out of the Grand Canyon and I just thought no <laughs> I was like this is evangelistic in and of itself you don't need to ruin this uh, but the other thing that I thought was 
we were there for maybe 30 minutes. And then we were back in the minivan, which is its own sad story, and then back on the road. And I think about that, thinking about tonight, because we were at the Grand Canyon. Like, people hike in, down into the canyon and spend weeks there taking the, all, you know, the grandeur, the, the majesty, taking it all in for days upon days, sometimes weeks upon weeks. And we were there for 30 minutes. And I think if you're like me, that's how it often can be with the love of God. I take it in, maybe for an hour tonight, and then I'm back to my life, forgetting it. And what I want you to see, we're in Ephesians. Here's the way I want you to think about it so far. If you've not been with us, Ephesians 1, Paul is laying out for us how much God has loved us in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 2, he is laying it out even more clearly that it's not because we're lovely that he loves us, but it's because he loved us that it begins to make us, it brings us from death to life, it it begins to make us lovely. And then I love Ephesians 3 because what Paul does is he gets on his knees before the Father and he literally prays one thing, that these Ephesian Christians would know how much God loves them. That's what he prays. And what I want to do tonight is spend the next 20 minutes trying to convince you of how much God loves you. And the way that I'm going to do it is by taking Paul's words. I want to think about the breadth of God's love for you. I want to think about the length of God's love for you. I want to think about the height of God's love for you and the depth of God's love for you. And that's what we're going to do. So let's start with the breadth. Here's the question. Could God, could God love someone like me? Does he really see where I've been, what I've done? Could he love someone like me? That question rises in our hearts. Doesn't God know what I've done? Doesn't he know what I'm like? It's Peter in the boat with Jesus. You remember they have that, uh, they, they go with Jesus out to fish and they have that incredible catch of fish that is just leaves all these disciples stunned. And you remember what Peter says to Jesus? He, he, he sort of gets before Jesus and he says, depart from me for I am a sinful man. And I love the way that Jesus responds. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. He's saying, Peter, I'm not going anywhere because I came for sinners just like you. Don't be afraid of my love for you. I know everything you've ever done. I know you more than you know yourself. And I love you. I came for ones like you. I love the story out of Henry Nowen's life. Henry Nowen is a writer. He was a priest. Um, and he really is remarkable in the way he captures God's love. And he's got this story where Henry now, and he had this incredible ministry uh, to the needy, to the poor. And he would often do these hug services, which might sound weird. I've always wanted to do one in RUF, and yet, and yet not, because it could go weird. But literally, the idea was they would preach the word, maybe do the sacrament. And then at the end of the service, he would invite people up to come and be embraced as a tangible sign of God's love for them. And there's this one night where he's doing the service and they're doing a, a hug ceremony. I'm not sure what else to call it. And there's a janitor in the back just kind of taking it in. And he's just mesmerized by what's happening. He's seeing people weeping and just feeling God's love for them. And in this moment of courage, he drops his mop and he walks up and he, bas- and he says, me, me too? And Harry Nowen says, absolutely. And he brings him in into a hug of God's love. My grandmother used to love this old hymn. We don't sing it anymore. 
it was called a there's a wideness in God's mercy. And here's how it goes. There's a wideness in God's mercy, like the wideness of the sea. There's a kindness in God's justice, which is more than liberty. There is welcome for the sinner and more graces for the good. There is mercy with the Savior. There is healing in his blood. But we make God's love too narrow by false limits of our own. And we magnify its strictness with a zeal God will not own. For the love of God is broader than the measures of the mind. And the heart of the eternal is most wonderfully kind. Do you understand the welcome of Jesus' love, the breadth of his love for you? You are welcomed, you, regardless of where you've been, what you come with, what you've done. He welcomes you in the breadth of his love. But let's keep going, the length of his love. Because here's the second question that pops up into our hearts. Won't God get tired of me? I have a friend, he's a dear friend, he's our RFKM's minister out on the West Coast. And he has this wonderful way where he says, sometimes you just show up in prayer and you're like, here I am again. It's the same old me. Here I am with that sin that I've confessed to you 5,000 times. Don't you get tired of me, God? I get tired of myself. Isn't there a limit to his love for me? Isn't there a limit? What if I keep messing up over and over again? What if I keep going back to the same old sins? And Jesus says, you don't know the length of my love. My love is a forever love. Again, Jesus, watching Jesus, we see the love of God. Just Jesus with the Samaritan woman. Do you know the story in John 4? She's been married, or not even married. She's been with five different men. She's married to the six. Jesus meets her in that beautiful way. He shares a drink with her as she's alone by this well. And there's this beautiful thing. I love that passage because if you know it, what happens is as Jesus meets her in his love, she goes back to her village and she has one message. And she literally says this, come meet a man who told me all that I ever did. Do you hear what she's saying? Come meet a man who knows all of me and yet loves me and yet wants me. He came to be my savior. And there's this beautiful image. I like movies. I like TV. There's this beautiful image. I'm not a filmmaker. Or whatever. I'm a pastor. I'm never going to be a filmmaker. But if I could ever make a film about John Ford, there's this beautiful detail that John gives where it says, when she went to the village to preach the gospel of Jesus' love for sinners like her, for a sinful woman like her, she left her water jar behind. And that's my closing shot. I don't know if it's a Malik shot. I don't know what kind of shot it is, but that's my shot. I'm going to zoom, zoom in own the water jar that she left behind because why does she leave it behind because the well of Jesus' love for you never runs dry there is always more love for you in Jesus than there is sin in you the well of his love for you never runs dry uh, I needed to hear this to myself uh, Bojack Horseman is one of my favorite shows we can talk later it's a very dark show Anyways, there, but there's an episode, you've probably heard me say this before, but the episode that I feel the most understood is uh, season four, episode six. It's called Stupid Piece of, and basically you wake up, Bojack wakes up, he's always hungover. He wakes up in his bed and he, you get access to his inner monologue. And he wakes up saying, you stupid piece of, and he goes like this. He meets his mom who's dying, but living with him. And then his potential daughter, Hollyhock, which is confusing, but kind of adopted daughter. And he's asked to go get some milk for the mom's pretend baby. It's confusing. But anyways, but instead of going to get the milk, he just goes to a bar and he drinks all day. Then he comes home drunk. Then he wakes up the next morning. You stupid piece of... And I watch that and I think, I, I understand that. I don't know if y'all do. 
But I often feel that way. Do you never get tired of yourself? And you think, God, I am so tired of myself. And what I want you to hear is in the length of his love for you, God is never tired of you. And he's never tired of me. He loves to love you. He enjoys to love you. He never gets tired of you or me and his love. His love for us, his length of his love, it never runs out. It never runs dry. And then the height, we keep going. It gets better. Because here's the next question. Isn't there a ceiling to God's love? Don't I have to do something to keep it? Even if I'm clear, I, don't, I didn't earn it. Don't I have to do something to be worthy of it? Don't I have to do something to make him love me, to be disciplined enough, to be holy enough, to be faithful enough, to be good enough? Don't I have to do that to keep his love? And again, we watch Jesus. It's Jesus with Mary and Martha. You know the story. If you don't, here's how it goes. Jesus is at their house, and Martha is doing some really important things. Some, like, house things. She's getting the tailgate food ready, right? She's doing stuff. She's cleaned the house. She is actively serving, and she shows up because her sister, dumb sister Mary, lazy sister Mary, is just sitting with Jesus, And you know how the story goes? Martha comes in her boldness and says, Lord, what's she doing? And do you remember what Jesus says? He says, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but Mary, and I love his language, Mary has chosen the good portion. She's in a way chosen the best food. She's chosen the best thing that could be chosen, which is to sit and be loved by Jesus. To sit and let yourself be loved by him and to soak it all in, to take it all in. Uh, My friend, Ricky Jones, he's a pastor, former RUF guy. I love the way he says it. He says, you know, we often say, don't just stand there and do something. He says, nope, that's not the gospel. You know what the gospel is? Don't just do something. Just stand there and be loved by Jesus. Um, I was thinking about this. My, Alyssa and I, we've been married coming up in 19 years. It's my wife. Um, some of you know her. Uh, there was this one moment years ago. I think it was I was about to do this wedding. That's how I remember it. But we had gotten in a, in a classic marriage fight. It wasn't a bad one, but it was one where it was like, who's going to repent first? Um, like, who's going to send the, the text? Or who's going to... Come, you know, be like, I'm so sorry. And she was the one who did. She repented first. And she did it. This was when Pinterest was still big. Is Pinterest big anymore? I don't think. I don't know. My kids found my old Pinterest. That was a wild ride. Um, <laughs> it's fun. It's fun. It's really fun. It was last summer. It was, the, the one thing that they loved was there was, I guess I'd posted something with a dude with his shirt off with a bunch of cats. And it just said, cats are like lonely people. Cat hair is like lonely people glitter that they thought was really funny. Um, but she sent me this post. From Pinterest, and it was just a, a, a rock with a Swedish proverb, and it just said this. It might sound cheesy to you. It doesn't sound cheesy to me. I'll explain. It just said, love me at my worst, for that's when I need it most. Love me at my worst, because that's when I need it the most. And I want you to see that Jesus has loved you at his best and your worst, and that's the deal is to sit and rest in his love. It's not your love for Jesus 
that keeps him loving you. It's his love for you that keeps you loving him. Do you see that? The breadth and the length and the height. And then the last thing I want you to see is the depth. Because here's the last question. Isn't there a floor to his love? Another way to ask it or the question that comes up for us is, but surely there is some way that I can mess this up. Surely there is some way, me, that I can make him stop loving me. When I hit, another way to say it in recovery groups is when I hit rock bottom, how can he possibly love me there? Is his love going to be solid for me there? And we're back to Jesus, watching Jesus. And is Jesus and the prostitute in Luke 7? Do you know the story? Jesus has been invited to Simon's house, the Pharisee, and there's this, there's this prostitute. There's just no other way to say it. And she's at the party, and she won't leave Jesus. And she's kneeling before Jesus, and she's anointing his feet. She's taking this alabaster jar of really expensive ointment, perfume. She's broken it, and she's anointing Jesus' feet. And the Pharisees are really scandalized. They're really offended by this. Jesus would be let this sinful woman love him and, and, and anoint his feet. And here's what Jesus says. Literally, here's what he says. He said, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. And then Luke says, he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Why did she love Jesus so much? Why did they not love Jesus at all? Luke says it's because she knew how much she was loved and forgiven by Jesus, the one who came to love sinners like her and like you and like me, not the righteous. Jesus said, I didn't come for the healthy, but the sick. I didn't come for the righteous, but for sinners. And she is getting it. Um, one of my, I don't love Christian music, but one of my favorite over the last 15 years Christian songs is by a guy named Thad Cockrell. And it's called, Oh, to be loved by Jesus. And here's how he sings it. He says it like this. Oh, to be loved by Jesus. Oh, to be loved by him. Oh, to have joy and peace within. Oh, to be loved by him. He knows the name of my sorrows. He knows the names of my fears. Why should I let them bother me? For I know he is near. And if no other will love me, In this life I own, there'd be no love I would long for. I know I am his own. Oh, to be loved by Jesus. Oh, to be loved by him. Oh, to be loved by Jesus, to have joy and peace within. I'll close with this. One of the things that really, here's how I want to apply this for us. One of the things that as I was studying this passage is pretty eerie about this text. As Paul is, this is what he's praying. He's praying for the Ephesians to know that, to believe, to know that God loves them beyond a shadow of a doubt, that he loves you beyond a shadow of a doubt. And then fast forward to the book of Revelation. And Jesus has a word for these Ephesian Christians. And you remember what it is? He says, this I hold against you. You have lost your first love. Is crushing. He's saying, I think I've always thought about that as you've lost your love for me. I think that's part of it. But maybe the better way to say it is they have lost or they had lost their grasp 
of Jesus' love for them. Friends, what would it look like if we spent our fall breaks praying for one another that we would really believe that Jesus loves you? And I'll be honest, would you pray that for me? I'm convinced the older I get, the thing that I need most in my life is to believe that God loves me. And what would it look like if we began to pray that for one another? If we began to pray that for our campus? If we began to pray that for our families, for our friends? Let's pray that now. Lord, would you move in us by your spirit to enable us to believe and soak in and grasp the breadth and the length and the height and the depth of your love for us. You, we can't do that for ourselves. We look to you as the lover of our souls to be the one who brings home to our hearts and radically changes us by the great love that you have given to us and shown to us and that you have made us yours. The love that keeps us, the love that will not let us go. The love that is determined and patience and graciousness to bear with us and change us ever slowly, ever more beautifully into the likeness of Jesus. We pray these things in his name. Amen. Please stand and sing our last song with us. Lord,